Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. So happy you can join me again. Action-packed week on my training camp trip. Uh, and I'm taking a slight detour. I came home to Brooklyn for a few days to get a little rest in before going out to the West Coast. And uh, I thought I would sort of bridge the gap today because my guest is Todd Archer of ESPN. He covers the Dallas Cowboys uh, for ESPN. We're very, very lucky to have him. A lot of news with the Dallas Cowboys around Zach Martin, Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys Alumni Association. And uh, so we're going to get to that in a minute, but I want to give you the lay of the land here on the podcast first. We are going to be joined a little bit later on in the podcast by Patrick Mahomes, uh, the best player in the National Football League. I caught up with him in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri at training camp last week. And also, we're going to have an interesting conversation. You're going to really enjoy this, I think, uh, with the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears, Kevin Warren. We get into a lot of discussion. Warren is the former president, um, or commissioner, rather, of the Big Ten. You know, college sports is absolutely in flames right now. And I don't mean that in a good way. We got into that a little bit for all you people who love the Bears. You're going to hear the latest in this podcast on the Chicago Bears stadium situation, uh, where you think they'll be playing uh, as of about 2027. So a good conversation with Kevin Warren coming up. But we're going to start off with uh, my friend Todd Archer, who uh, has covered the Cowboys for a thousand years. I do believe he predated uh, Tech Schramm, Tom Landry, and Gil Brandt. Uh, but we uh, we are going to get into that. But Todd, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, you got it, Peter. I, I don't think I've ever bat lead off again with Patrick Mahomes hitting behind me in the lineup. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> well, look, you always were a good leadoff guy. Yeah. You know, I know that. But uh, so anyway, thanks a lot. Yeah, Mahomes. Uh, I when I saw Mahomes last week. Uh, there were 900 things I wanted to talk to him about. He's always really good at, about almost anything. I got to six of the things, and I looked down at my list, and I said, well, that'll, I'll have to live to fight another day. So anyway, Todd, so let's start with the news of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> First, that uh, Zach Martin, the all-pro guard, is back in the fold, is on his way back. Uh, to Oxnard, California. You are out in California right now at training camp. Tell me what built the bridge to get Zach Martin back in the fold. Money, right? I mean, that's the easy answer. Uh, you know, he, he he didn't like being the eighth or ninth paid high, uh, highest paid guard, and now he's third, uh, going to get about a little north of $18 million a year these next two years behind Chris Lindstrom, behind Quentin Nelson. So um, I do wonder, Peter, if the Cowboys saw their preseason game against Jacksonville after seeing their practices in Oxnard and said, we got to settle this offensive line thing. we got to get number 70 back in the building. And as far as the way it was explained to me, some direct conversations between Jerry Jones and Zach Martin helped bridge the gap a little bit. And now he's getting a little bit of a raise for the next two years. 
The Cowboys will still be okay cap-wise when the other guys they got to sign. And their offensive line all of a sudden looks a lot better than it did against the Jaguars on Saturday night. So this, for some reason, at the beginning of training camp, appeared to really rankle Jerry Jones a little bit. And I couldn't quite figure that out. If you have the guy who's the best or second best guy at his position in football, and he's still playing well, he's not a broken down old man. And don't you know that you're probably going to have to pay him if he slips that low beneath it? But, but Jerry almost took it personally. Why, why was he a little bit incendiary early in this process? Trying to interpret Jerry for as long as I've covered this team uh, is always a difficult thing to do, but I think he's trying to maintain cap responsibility. And the first couple of times that they went back and forth, what was asked for and where they've ended up are kind of, it's obviously a middle road, but they didn't want to go down the road of extending Zach, who's going to turn 30, 33 in November and have him in his extension years on his contract, 35, 36, when he may no longer be playing or maybe not the player that he was. So now the next two years that they got him, they, they, they've locked him up. But I came back to this in, in 2001, actually before I covered the Cowboys, the Cowboys paid Larry Allen, made him the second highest paid offensive lineman in football when he had two years left on his deal. I don't know why there was reluctance to do it with Zach Martin because we've not seen slippage. He was an all-pro last year. You see him get the 99 on the Madden rating. Not that that factors in, into uh, contract talks, I know, but players across the league think so highly of him. It's, it seemed to make too much sense to get something done. And 21 days later, he's here at training. He'll be here at training camp. And the interesting part, I think he owes about a million dollars in fines for missing, 50, for missing all that time. Wow. You know, those fines have to be paid, don't they? Right. They can no longer be waived or rescinded by the team yeah. under the CBA. So he's. I wonder if how that north of $18 million a year factored in the, uh, the, the million dollar in, uh, in fines that he was receiving too. You know what I found over the years, Todd, that I bet when you read all the fine print of this extension, there will be a million dollars that will be pretty easy to be earned in incentives or, or, you know, something, there will be something like that or 500 or 750. That'll be a piece of cake is the, as a sort of olive branch by the team. It's, it's bizarre that in a case like this, a team often ends up sticking something like that in a contract to make it easy for, easier for a guy to pay a fine. Um, let's get to the other bit of news, and that's Ezekiel Elliott uh, late on Monday afternoon as we record this, uh, tweeting out that, or Xing out, whatever we call that now, uh, that he is signed with the New England Patriots. You know, it sort of seemed obvious all along that that could be a marriage. What did you see? What do you hear? Well, to me, from the Cowboys' perspective, and you look at what their backup running back situation is, that's why no one could ever really say, oh, there's no way Zeke is going back to the Cowboys. And Jerry kept that door open, even though that I don't know if anybody else in your organization was, but if Jerry wanted it, it would have happened eventually. But I think for Zeke, he's not what he was, right? I think that has been pretty clear the last few years. But he's still an effective running back. He had 12 touchdowns last year. Still good in short yards. Still good in goal line. Still good, a very good pass protector. And you look at the Patriots and what they have, Every a lot of teams can use those sort of backs. And I think Belichick, as you know better than anybody, knows how to use this guy. Now, he's not Corey Dillon coming there in the mid-2000s with Brady. He's probably more Otis Anderson in the Giants, maybe? That's a great – that is a great comparison. Great. It, it, it might be in that vein where they're looking at what Z can do because, again, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, I don't think as great as Otis was, I don't think he was counted on right away. Was Joe Morris still around? I, I, yes. I mean, those years are – so yeah. – if you're if you want Zeke for short bursts, he's still an effective back. If you're looking for him for 20 carries a game, he's no longer that guy. 
The only thing that worries me about Ezekiel Elliott and the reason why I'll be interested to see what the Patriots paid him, probably not very much, but with a big incentive package, I'm sure. But here's a guy who over his last three years has averaged four yards a carry and last year slipped to 3.8. And as I sort of look at him, the reason why I probably would have done this if I were the Patriots is that he's only 28 years old and he has not carried the ball more than 250 times in any of the last three years. So theoretically, you would think a guy who's averaged whatever, I'm guessing 14 or 15 carries a game, pretty conservative workload, that he probably has some tread left on the tire. Yeah. And, you know, when I look at Ezekiel Elliott, I think it's, I think as long as he has it in his head that this is a job share. And who knows? Belichick did have Corey Dillon be a really big mail carrier for a little while in New England. And, you know, maybe Belichick sees that again, but. This is a guy who really hasn't carried the ball all, you know, he hasn't been a workhorse lately. The one thing that I would say, and the reason why I think it's a really good place for Ezekiel Elliott, is that I don't think Belichick trusts the quarterback altogether, and there really isn't anybody there who Belichick thinks is anywhere near an every down back. So I think it's a good spot for Elliott. And, and again, not that you're paying running backs to be pass protectors, but that offensive line has some issues up in New England. And if you're looking yeah. for an extra time, Zeke is very good at that. He's always been very good at that. I believe Urban Meyer told Jason Garrett, he's the best player I've ever had without the ball in his hands in terms of all the other things that he can do. So that could be an element of why the Patriot, why the Patriots wanted to go after him. And I do think, again, from the Cowboys' perspective, in 2004 they signed Eddie George out of Tennessee – after a great run there and, and Bill wanted him around to help with Julius Jones. And maybe there's something that Zeke can help there. Cause he was certainly great gracious with Tony Pollard and, and he can be gracious with Stevenson and help those guys, their younger backs as well. You know, when you look at the Patriots, I would say their depth chart at running back has got to be bottom five in the league. You know, Ramondre Stevenson, a nice back Ty Montgomery, absolutely a space filler uh and they have an interesting guy i forget he's from south dakota or south dakota state named pierre strong he was a mid-round pick last year and he was had a really good training camp for them so i i don't know if he's going to make the team or not but i think those are their three guys who would be sort of in competition to make the best competition to make the roster right now. Certainly Stevenson will, but this is a good spot for Ezekiel Elliott. And I think that look it, he had a very interesting Dallas career because he was great for three years, let's say maybe four. And then he was an effective player, you know, for say three more, but the way I looked at it in the last two years, and I started writing this, Todd, mid-2021, you know, the best running back on that team was Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a good idea and smart that the Cowboys, even though Pollard is not the kind of workhorse back, he's got to be a part of a tandem. I think it's good that they basically kind of chose him in his prime over Ezekiel Elliott at 28. Absolutely. And they gave him the franchise tag. And it's interesting you say the tandem part because he had 193 carries last year, by far the most he's ever had. I don't know how many more than that he can go. Certainly not 300 like Zeke had early in his career. But if you're if you get up to 250, are you maxing him out too much? And, And that's an issue for the Cowboys behind Tony Pollard. Right now, it's Rico Dowdle, Malik Davis. And, and Deuce Vaughn, who had, looked really good in the preseason game against Jacksonville. But Cowboys history, it's really been one back and then another guy kind of fills in here a little bit, going back to the Emmett days, maybe a little bit of the Dorsett days. But 
you got to go back to 09, 2010, when the Cowboys had Felix Jones, Marion Barber, Tashard Choice as a pretty good running back trio. I think that's how they're going to approach this running game yeah. with Tony Pollard certainly being the, the bell cow, right? But not in that upper echelon of carries. He might have the upper echelon of production, but I think you're going to see them use multiple backs, and that's really not been something that they've done here in quite a while. Yeah. So I got five one-question topics for you um, to round out our little conversation here today. Todd Archer with ESPN. Rapid fire? Uh, Kind of rapid fire, maybe a minute each. That would be fun. I want to ask you, this just, and look, I'm an Ohio Bobcat. Nathan Rourke is an Ohio Bobcat. But (laughs) did anybody on the Cowboys after the game, the preseason game the other night, say, holy crap, how in the world did that guy evade four sacks and make that touchdown pass. Was that yeah. kind of incredulous about it? We were in the press box. It, it, it was one of those that was, I immediately said that's a sports center top 10 and it turned out to be the play of the night. Uh, but it is, you know, the four guys that had their arms wrapped around them. If any of those guys have to make a play for the Cowboys this season on that defense, then that defense is not what we thought it was going to be. However, as impressive as it was, but I, I don't, I, I was unable to act to ask any coaches uh, after yeah. the game what they thought of it, but I just know, look, was it certainly in significance, the Eli's spin away from the Patriots, throw it up to uh, what's his name there in the undefeated Super Bowl. Uh, that play w- was as great. Yeah. 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 That, that play was much more significant, but this play had a little bit of that in it because he just, he was, he should have been sacked three different times. Yeah. That was just amazing. Um, I want to ask you about Dak Prescott. So who doesn't love Dak Prescott? One of the best human beings. This is my 40th year covering the game. One of the best human beings I've met in this game. Utterly fantastic. His acceptance for NFL Man of the Year last year was the best one of those speeches I've ever seen. And on a weird note, a different note, I'm just telling you, his mother, I bet, would be incredibly proud of the person that Dak Prescott has become. Okay, having said that, I really want to see Dak Prescott lift this team. You know, I want to see him. What is Jerry? <laughs> yeah, I want to see him play great when really great is required. And again, look, I'm not saying that anyone uh, in the... Uh, uh, you know, playoff game at San Francisco last year. I'm not saying anyone is beating the 49ers defense in San Francisco, but I would like to see him play better in the huge games. Tell me what the feeling is around the organization about Dak's readiness at some point to take the next step. Well, it has to be this year or, or, or next, and maybe it's just this year, although there are cap implications that make it difficult for them to move on from him uh, in, in 2025. But there's there's two things about carrying the team a little bit. That's never been his M.O., right? They asked him to do that in 2018. It didn't happen until they got Amari Cooper in their trade. They asked him to do it last year. It didn't happen for a variety of reasons. He had some interceptions. But what, what have they done? Well, now Mike McCarthy is the, the play caller, as we all know. And one thing Mike McCarthy quarterbacks don't do is they don't turn it over. And you can say, well, Aaron Rodgers has never done that. Fine. Mike should get some of that credit. But Brett Favre, I believe in 2005, led the NFL in interceptions. His first year with Mike, he cut him in half, going from like 35 to 17. Still too many interceptions, but a pretty substantial cutback in the interceptions that Favre had. Aaron Brooks led the NFL with Mike McCarthy as his coordinator in New Orleans in interception percentage. So the Cowboys believe that a Mike McCarthy-controlled offense will lend itself to Dak cutting out of these inter- cutting out these interceptions. And I also point out that's never really been an issue for Dak until last year. So uh, I, I think we've made too much of the interception talk and where he is. 
But another guy, Peter, that I think is going to be huge influence on this offense and on Dak Prescott is Brandon Cooks. He, he's been terrific here in training camp. You add him to Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, another ascending player. Um, you have Pollard. You, you, now you have Zach Martin back in that offensive line. They like their young tight ends. That they have an offense that Dak will have to make some guys better, but not the entire unit, if that makes sense. And, and then if if the Cowboys can get to an NFC championship game for the first time since 1995, then maybe they'd feel better about extending that contract beyond 2024. What will be the biggest difference we will notice in the play calling going from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy? I think the ball will get out quicker. Um, the, you know, the West Coast principles, philosophies, uh, three steps, five steps. And, and with Kellen Moore, the, the, the Zampezi offense that the Cowboys ran for, for years under Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan, before that or after that, and before Kellen was more, uh, I, I don't have a good way to describe it, but it wasn't as timing based as what Mike wants. And that should help Dak A cut back on the interceptions and B he's got receivers that can win on the outside or even lamb on inside that he can get rid of the ball quickly. I think that'll be something that'll be different and will help that offensive line in terms of its pass protection because last year was in the bottom third in terms of pass block win rates. How did Jerry and McCarthy work together? Um, very well. And some of that is, I think Mike has now figured out the cowboy way and, and doesn't let the small stuff get to him. Maybe um, the way Bill Parcells figured it out. Right, right. It, it's, you know, Bill had the sign on his desk, just coach the bleeping team. I don't know if Mike has something like that on his desk, but I think after that first year, which was an imp- in a pandemic when it really wasn't the full Jerry, because it wasn't, we, we couldn't talk to Jerry after games and things like that. Um, I think he realized, I think the phrase he came up with was, I'm just worried about things that affect winning. And some of the stuff that happens with this franchise, maybe a lot of this stuff that happens with this franchise, uh, doesn't really affect winning unless you let it uh, with all the attention that they get from the from the outside that can maybe impact the narrative more than the actual truth. Okay. I think the most intriguing player on this team this year, you'll be surprised when I say it, is Stephon Gilmore. And I'll tell you why. It was only four years ago that Stephon Gilmore was named the Defensive Player of the Year. He had some great games in Indianapolis for a team that was a total sinking ship. When he's healthy, I think easily he's a top 10 corner in the NFL. So what have you seen in Gilmore this year? What do you think of uh, of a tandem uh, at corner for the Cowboys of Trevon Diggs and uh, Stephon Gilmore? Right. You might have two guys that play the same position but do it completely differently with the way Diggs plays, gambling. Yeah. I don't want to say guessing, but some people might say he guesses a little too much. And with Gilmore, a, a technician, and how he goes about it. It's interesting. I asked McCarthy about older cornerbacks and how he knows that they still have. And he mentioned Charles Woodson that he had in Green Bay late in Charles' career. Excellent. Uh, he moved to safety. And he said, you can tell right away how their mind works and how that gets them by any sort of physical limitations that they don't have anymore. And Gilmore has shown in these practices – Michael Gallup said, I'm running a route and he's talking to me. Tell me where I'm going. So that's how smart this guy is, that that he can impact the receivers and what they're thinking and what they need, how they need to adjust their splits and things. And the impact that he's had on the defense with Trayvon Diggs. Diggs had a funny story after he signed his extension. He's like, I'm eating some gummies, gummy bears. And still Gilmore just shakes his head. You say, you can't be eating that stuff. So now Diggs isn't eating any of that stuff. He's getting up early in the morning, getting a workout in with Gilmore. And maybe that's the Patriot way, rubbing off on, on the Cowboys a little bit with, with Cooks on the offensive side of the ball, too, having played New England. And that's probably something that this team needed, that there's always been a lot of cart before the horse when it comes to this team. Maybe these guys are starting to uh, let the other guys know that there's other things you have to do before you, you think you're ready to play in a Super Bowl. 
So my last question is about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I might be wrong about this. You're going to know this a little bit better than I, but there's something like four and one against them in their last five games. I read that somewhere. Maybe that's right, wrong. It's close. The, the Cowboys. You're saying Cowboys. the Cowboys. Right? Yeah, yeah, Dak's NFC East record is ridiculous. I don't have it off the top of my head, but he's beat the Giants like 10 straight times. He's beat the yeah. Washington a bunch. Yeah, yeah. They've had success so, against Philly, too. So why do you think particularly with the Philly defense having really risen? I mean, I'm looking at the Philly defense last year, and, you know, the Cowboys put up 57 points on him in two games last year, uh, played him very well the year before. So <clears throat> the Cowboys must feel good about their ability to compete with the Eagles this year. Absolutely. And you mentioned 57 points, 40 of them in one game when Dak was the quarterback. Cooper Rush started the other game. So uh, and, and they lost 27, 17, something like that. Um but they, they do have confidence. And, they, and again, I think a lot of people forget the Cowboys were 12 and five last year with two overtime losses that could have gone their way at Jacksonville. The game winning touchdown is scored on a pass that gets deflected into a defender's hands return for a touchdown. Green Bay, they had that game kind of under control. And, and then they again, miscues and mistakes cost them and, and led them to over an overtime situation that they probably shouldn't have been in. So if you take out those two games, you know, it's a probably maybe a different story in the NFC East and, and, and in the NFC, but they, they don't go into this season with a, a fear of the Eagles. There's certainly a respect for what the Eagles have done. And, and they're by far their, their biggest uh, opponent in, in, in this division, whether the Giants have improved that much or Washington has improved that much. It's still the Eagles and Cowboys in my mind, but I'll come back to this, Peter. There's not been a repeat winner in this division since 03, 04 when Andy Reid was coaching the Eagles. To me, that's that's a whole heck of a lot of history that I don't know if you'd bet against. I'm saying it's going to be the Cowboys that, that would be the team that wins this division right now. But until that streak gets broken, I would lean towards somebody other than Philadelphia winning this division simply based on history. And as yeah, a Red that's... Sox fan, I know you base a lot of things on history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um... – but, however, the team I root for is one of the four times in this century. And the team that most, that a lot of America roots for has won it zero times in this century. So there's that little bit of history to, to think of, too. Um, Todd Archer, listen, I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. I'm actually going to see you Saturday night at the... Uh, uh, in Seattle, I'll be at that preseason okay. game, so I look forward to it. Sounds great. Thanks, Peter. I appreciate it. Thanks to the always informative Todd Archer. Before we get to Patrick Mahomes, let's take our first break on the Peter King Podcast. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through it's true magic because we came to play bring the magic at walt disney world resort deets and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Peter King of NBC Sports here at Chiefs Camp with Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick, there's something about the end of the Super Bowl that I still can't believe that I've got to ask you. 
The last two touchdown passes in that game were basically the same play. Kadarius Toney on the right, Sky Moore on the left. You had not run that play in 1,043 snaps, and you ran it and scored consecutive touchdowns late in this game. Why do you think it worked now that you've had time to think about it? Um, I think you said it. I mean, we, we were patient with it. We didn't overuse the play. Um, we do a lot of motions, especially down there on the goal line. So just being able to go off kind of some of our tendencies. Um, and, and like I said after the game, the Eagles were really good against jet motion um, down there at the goal line. And so we tried to use something that they were really good at against them, and it, it worked out well. And we were able to get two big touchdowns that helped, uh, helped seal the Super Bowl for us. You had a great comment, I thought, on the Kelsey Brothers podcast during the season last year. You said that when the draft was approaching, you hoped that you were picked late in the first round so you could go to a good team. Every player says, I want to get picked first. I want to get picked second. It's like you wanted to get picked 28th. Give me your reasoning. Yeah, I mean, if you looked at the draft that year, there was a lot of great teams that that had – uh, some veteran quarterbacks or just open spots for the quarterback to come in and have a good situation around them. And I've been in the, I've been in the league now, and so I understand even more that uh, it's all about the situation that you're in, how, how you're supported. Um, and lucky for me, I'm in Kansas City, and I have uh, one of, if not the best, offensive play caller um, of all time with a lot of great coaches around them and a great ownership and a great uh, great situation with great players. And so um, I knew if I went to the right team that could get the best out of me, um, that I could have a chance to win Super Bowls, and that, that's what's happened so far. You, early on in your career, you started to look at Tom Brady as kind of a model. Mm -hmm. And as your career has gone on now through five seasons, you've won more games, thrown more touchdown passes, haven't won as many Super Bowls, that's three to two. But do you feel like a lot of what Brady did, you felt that you wanted to aim for to at least try to reach him or be better than um, I think you always just strive for greatness. Um, obviously, Tom is the top of that. I mean, to win seven Super Bowls and be in ten different Super Bowls, I mean, it's, it's crazy to even think about, uh, even for me today. Um, so, uh, to me, it was always about how can I win as much as possible, the Super Bowls. The other stats kind of come with it. Um, and I knew at Texas Tech I would put up a lot of stats and not won games. And I knew when I got to the NFL I wanted to, to be a winner. Um, and so I strive for that every year is just trying to win Super Bowls and, and give my team the best that I can. Um, and hopefully that, that ends up with a lot of Super Bowls. Seven's a lot, but I'll, I'll strive to get as close as I can. And you did the same thing sort of contractually. You now are whatever number you are, average salary, seventh in the league or whatever. And Brady always – seemingly anyway left money on the table give me your thought on how you look at that aspect of it yeah I mean there's a balance to it I mean obviously you want to make a lot of money um, and you want to support your family um, and you want to keep the 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 quarterback position and the rest of the uh, skill groups and offensive line defensive line that that salary kept going and moving Um, but I want to have a great team around me too so uh, I think it's just about finding that balance throughout your career um, and knowing uh, when you need to kind of push it and when you need to just let the guys around you have, have those great players around you so you can win those Super Bowls. Last thing, in your team period today at practice, a couple of times very early on you threw deep for Sky Moore. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid told me that you spent a lot of time with Sky Moore this offseason. What about that development has been good for you? Yeah, I knew at the end of last year Scott was going to be a great player. Um, and he had a lot of talent coming in. It was about learning the offense. And they, they threw everything at him. Um, and that's why I think when you saw as the playoffs came, he started really picking it up and really getting going. Um, and I think this offseason has been tremendous for him. He's, he knows where to be at. He knows how to run the route uh, based off coverage. Um, and he was one of those guys. And I talked about how I had every, all the guys down there in Texas getting work in for over a month and a half. And he was at every single workout. I mean, every single one. Uh, didn't miss it, wanted to get extra work after every single practice, and he has that strive that he wants to be great. Um, and so just to add him, along with all these young receivers that I have, I think we have a chance to be really good, and now we have to go out there and prove it. Patrick Mahomes, have a fun year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks. Man. Oh, snail. Snail? you got to learn the snail. Oh, See, nice. Yeah, 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 Very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Have a great, great one. Seeing you. Take great care. Seeing Thanks you. a lot. My thanks to Patrick Mahomes. Before we get to Chicago Bears President and CEO Kevin Warren, let's take a break on the Peter King Podcast. Hey, pet parents, are you searching for the perfect place for your dog to play? Check out Camp Bow Wow. 
Our safe and supervised doggy daycare and boarding ensures your pup gets the socialization they crave while giving you peace of mind. With our certified staff and clean and spacious facilities, your dog will have a blast making friends and staying active. Join the Camp Bow Wow Pack today. Your first day is free. Visit us at CampBowWow.com. Franchise opportunities available. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. And now for our interview with Chicago Bears President and CEO Kevin Warren, who comes over after being the commissioner of the Big Ten for four years. A lot of topics to hit on each side, college and pro. And I started by talking to Kevin Warren about what he sees on the 2023 Bears. I mean, I've uh, always been a uh, serious watcher of NFL football. Even when I was at the Big Ten Conference, I watched football constantly uh, on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays. Yes, I saw every game the Bears played last year, um, and this is a much better football team. I mean, they have confidence. Uh, they seem faster, more physical. Um, they seem like they're having fun, you know, this year. And to really be here on top of it, uh, you can feel it. And, and obviously you think, you know, Ryan and Coach came in last year and, and they were right into the season. Now that they've had some time to work together and build that camaraderie and rapport, uh, I'm, I'm incredibly you know, pleased with the progress of where we are. Now we season's ahead of us, but as you look at this football team, it, it, uh, it looks like um, you know, we've gotten a lot better. When you left the Minnesota Vikings several years ago to be the commissioner of the Big Ten, did you think that one day you would be back in the NFL? Absolutely. Did that drive you? Absolutely. Uh, it, it um, you know, this is home. I mean, this is the where I've spent a majority of my career, you know, as a player agent and then uh, being in the NFL. Um, so, the, you know, the NFL is home uh, to me. And um, I appreciate, uh, have a heart of gratitude to work in the National Football League. Now, when I went with the Big Ten, I, I could have said I could have very easily uh, in, uh, finished my career, you know, there. But uh, this is just one of those unique opportunities that, arose and it just seemed like at the right time especially with the challenges ahead of us with the stadium with the football team you know building the organization um, I just looked at them as incredible opportunities so it was it was a unique time and place and opportunity to come here and work uh, for this family and this fantastic organization it almost feels like you left college sports at the perfect time I wrote my column last week that it's just crazy what is going on, and I'm sure you see the same thing as I do. But I just have one question about it. Tell me what you think happened that has really prevented the NCAA from sort of having a little bit of a hold on conferences imploding and teams just being free agents now. I think what happens, you know, uh, working in professional sports for many years, and then going working at the Big Ten Conference and collegiate sports in a time uh, of great turmoil, but of opportunity with conference realignment and expansion, college football playoff expansion, just the movement, the role of the coaches, name, image, and likeness, uh, the mental health issues, social justice, you know, coming out of COVID, George Floyd. It was just a convergence of a lot of issues that we were dealing with. And I think personally, this is one person's opinion, that the business of college sports evolved much quicker than the operations and the legislation of college sports. And, and so what needs to happen now, and it's going to be difficult, especially what's happened in this last week with further conference realignment, uh, is the operations, the structure, 
the guardrails, the organization needs to catch up to the business element. And I think that's what happened. Are you at all sad for college football, the rivalries like Washington, Washington State, who knows what happens, the Civil War, Oregon, Oregon State? There's only four teams left. By the time we air this, there might only be two. You don't know. But are you sad about it? I mean, you know, you, you, any time uh, I have a great sensitivity to people and their life and their families and their children, um, so, you know, there, there's a, a part of my heart that, that aches for, you know, stability that once existed. But, but uh, you know, I felt that I saw it coming years ago. You did. And 100%. I knew going into there. I mean, I could, I could go through in some of the, the early meetings that I, you know, felt that this was absolutely coming. Because if you look where it had been for such a long time, um, that it would have been difficult to kind of maintain uh, college athletics where it was. I just thought it would be coming because I look at the world from a global standpoint. You look at yeah. what's going on in European soccer and all right. the international issues, what's happening with our Olympic you know, teams, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, college athletics, the growth of our players and the, and the visibility of television, social media, uh, yeah. direct to consumer. I thought something would happen. I just think about college football now and I compare it to the NFL, which is really the only world I know. And I say, this is sort of like if ESPN or Fox or whatever came to Roger Goodell and said, we want a realignment of the divisions. Roger Goodell would say, you don't have that power. You can't do that. And yet in college sports, ESPN does have that power. Some of the networks have that power. That's the only thing that would concern me that – they seem to be most consumed with how much money they can make rather than saying, does it really make any sense for UCLA to have a soccer game in Piscataway, New Jersey, and just commute 3,000 miles to play a game before 200 people? I don't know. It just There's a lot of things in here that just seem like they're not going to work out really well. Yeah, and that's why I say I think the, the, the business elements evolved quicker. I think uh, the leadership in college athletics, there's a time for – individuals you know, who will do a good job to get things structured. I think you'll see more multi-team events where that trip may not occur. They may meet somewhere in a central location and play more games at the same right. time. So I look at nothing's ever a problem. It's just more opportunities. I think this provides student-athletes with a very unique educational standpoint. Speaking as a former student-athlete many, many years ago, yeah. there's some trips that I remember at the University of Pennsylvania to go out and play Stanford. Right. Um, uh, we went and played New Mexico. We played Oregon, Louisville, in Japan. Still, 40-plus wow. years later, those you are the memories. You have fond memories of those. Fond yeah. memories that right. those are. I got a chance to travel and do things and see things and learn. So uh, if one thing COVID taught us is that education can happen outside of the classroom, and so I'm confident in the college leaders that they'll figure out a way to provide our student-athletes with a chance to, to learn outside of the classroom. And these trips will provide a unique opportunity from an educational standpoint. All right, let's talk about the Chicago Bears and your stadium situation. I find it really interesting that every there's some teams when I come to a place, I just feel the history. Yeah. I feel the history in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Every time I go to their training camp, I feel it. They've been there for 100 years. When I come to the Bears, wherever it is, I feel the history. You have a huge portrait of George Hallis watching over you on your desk how much do you feel that history i feel it every single day that picture is there uh, for a reason and uh you know seeing his statute when i pull up early in the morning when i go home late in the evening uh, just even in our lobby there are many times i just stop in our lobby so many times you work at a place and you walk by uh, art or the lobby and here you know this is a this is a historical uh, institute. This is like working in the Smithsonian, that every once in a while you need to stop and read, you know, what, what he and his family has been able to accomplish, not only for the Chicago Bears, but for the entire National Football League and the construct and the development. And then to still have Mrs. McCaskey still living and to have an opportunity to sit down and converse, you know, with her last week. And her mind is still sharp. She loves the game of football. And, you know, I feel like it's working with someone who was in the room when the De Declaration of Independence uh, <laughs> was drafted. 
and yeah. the stories that she tells about her mother and father, uh, but what it, what it meant and to see how the game has evolved. Um, George Hallis was ahead of his time. So many things he was even doing then make sense now. So it is palpable. You feel it. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I want this franchise to, to do so well uh, from a football standpoint, you know, to, to, to win uh, another Super Bowl and to put another Super Bowl trophy, multiple Super Bowl trophies in the lobby to build the best stadium in the world. And I think about it all the time. If George Hollis were still living and sitting here in my office with him, what would he tell me? I want to know. I, I, that was my I think next about question. It all the time. Tell me what he would be saying to you and what you would want to talk to him about. I, I, well, I, he, I feel that what he would be saying to me is that we're pointed in the right direction, but we're not there yet. And then to keep being supportive of Ryan and Coach and your players. Ryan uh, Poles uh, and, and Matt Eberflus. And, yeah, and, and, and challenging them um, to be the best. We have something special there. Same thing with the stadium. He would say, um, you know, work on it to, to build what our fans want. He would, he would be sensitive to the fans, and, and he would be focused on the culture here. And so I think about that every single day. What would, what would George Hallis advise me to do? And, uh, and so WWGD. <laughs> what would George do? What would right, George right, say? Right. So uh, let's talk about that for a second, because your stadium, I polled people in my column a couple of years ago when it was widely reported that you were considering mostly a dome stadium. And it was amazing how widespread the opinion was. You know, I had one season ticket holder says, you totally glamorize what it was like to sit in Soldier Field in December. He goes, honestly, I hated it. It was too friggin' cold, you know. And so I wonder now, how much do you still think it's almost certainly going to be a dome? And how much thought went into that? You know, again, we're still going through the process, but I think when you look at the overall evolution of what a stadium means to a city, a county, to a state. Uh, having a dome stadium uh, in the climate that we live in, from a business, uh, from a fan standpoint, from a player standpoint, from a game day experience standpoint, makes the most sense. Uh, because uh, what, what, it, what it will allow us to do is to be able to host other events, the Super Bowl, uh, the Final Four, college football playoff, uh, championships. You yeah. obviously have talked to the governing bodies of those sports, and you feel confident that at one point, if you have a dome stadium that size, you're going to get a Final Four here, or more I, than one. I, I would say if we, and that's incumbent upon us to build and do it the right way. A lot of the things that I do are just based upon history, and just like in Minnesota, we, we built U.S. Bank Stadium in a manner that we felt would be not only appropriate for the Minnesota Vikings, but it would make sense for the NFL, for us to host a Super Bowl, for it to be a destination for Final Four, other concerts. So what I am confident about is that if we do things the right way and make sure we build it in a manner that uh, fits and is an elegant and professional, um, that I feel that we would have a great opportunity to host some of these you know, events. Never a guarantee, but that's always in the back of my mind. And I'm focused. We have the best fans in the National Football League. I'm focused on building that environment from a fan standpoint for them to be able to really enjoy it uh, a dome stadium would make the most sense so when you talk to fans i'm sure you have some of the hard-nosed ones who say never put a cover on where the bears play football that's part of who we are but you obviously have talked to quite a few or surveyed quite a few who say please close it we've had enough of the of the january and late december cold games is yeah, that accurate yes that is accurate and one of the things i've been thinking about um is that there are ways that we can create that environment even in the dome atmosphere to give you that sense of uh of whether it's fresh air or you know windows and what type of roof you have there's different things that you can do but i i'm i'm confident that uh once we are uh finished with our stadium and do the ribbon cutting that fans will really enjoy it and we have to look over the horizon not only what are the current viewing habits of a fan now but how that evolves what happens over the next 5 10 15 20 30 40 50 years and so i think uh in the climate that we're in for us to be able to activate it with our partners for our players but really for a fan experience 
um, is, is really that makes the most sense. Would you say it's most likely right now that the stadium ends up in Arlington? Or um, do you know I, I that think everything yet? is everything is on the table. I mean, you know, we had that period where we were focused on Arlington. We have some you know, issues to still work on. Um, that, that there's a possibility there. But one of the things that I promised myself and promised the McCaskey family is that I would come in and take a really a fresh look on what's the right, right. thing to do. And, uh, and if it turns out to be Arlington, it turns out to be Arlington. If it's somewhere else, if it's in downtown you know, Chicago, one thing that makes uh, this environment so special is God really kissed um, downtown you know, Chicago with that, with that lake front. I don't think there's any place in the country it has that beauty of a city right upon uh, a beautiful lake in Lake Michigan. So we're taking everything in advance. I want to be very thoughtful. You know, what's the right thing for our fans? What's the right location? And, um, and we have new leadership and Mayor Brandon Johnson, who's a really smart, uh, energetic, you know, mayor. And so we'll continually have conversations uh, with all of our constituents here in the, in the state. And, um, and, and I'm confident that when it's all said and done, people will be pleased. When do you think you have a decision? I mean, I, I, I hope. I mean, I, I'm hopeful that within the next 12 months, I mean, you know, me. And, I, and which would mean when would the Bears play there? 27? No, I mean. 28? Again, I, I always go by when a shovel goes in the ground. Yeah. And I believe is that once a shovel goes in the ground, is that it's probably three years. Yeah. So whenever that happens, right. you know, we have a uh, fall veto session coming up. Um, we have to work through it. But I think the biggest thing, this is one of those things we need to be diligent and not rush into it because this is a 40- to 50-year decision. And I want to make sure that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a great listener during this process and that we really land it the right way. The future generations of Warrens will be going to this stadium. <laughs> I hope so. Probably after you're gone, unless <laughs> yeah. you live to 115. <laughs> right. But I wanted to ask you one more thing. So on my training camp trip, I go around and I always ask the decision makers. You know, I asked Rich McKay with the Atlanta Falcons. I've known him for a long time. And I asked him, tell me what right now, let's talk about the future of football. And so we were talking and he said, you know, this year we are going to have six. We, we fund right now 270 high schools in the state of Georgia for flag football. And this year, uh, another, we're also funding Alabama and, believe it or not, Montana, because that's where Arthur Blank lives much of the year. And he said, what we're really proud of is that all six divisions, okay, you know, of the girls who play flag football, all of their championship games will be in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And they'll be on back-to-back weekends, I don't know, whenever it'll be. But he, I said, why? And he said, it's the future. And he said, I'm not saying that, you know, those girls are going to grow up to be wide receivers, but I am saying that they are going to grow up to love football. And so what do you see on the horizon when you think of the future of football? Is it bright? Do you see storm clouds? Just give me your thoughts on the future. Yeah, my personal uh, viewpoint is that it's incredibly bright. Um, and, but we need to focus on making sure we keep the game special. There's something about uh, the game of football uh, that's elegant and uh, is designed, you know, the way the plays have. There's action, then there's a break, and then there's action, there's a break, and all those different things. But we need to make sure we keep the game of football uh, at our main decision point because if the game is great, everything else becomes great. We do need to uh, – need to focus on growing the game, uh, growing flag football. I'm very focused on the international component. I mean, this is a large world that we live in. I've been blessed to travel a lot internationally. And when you hear statistics of the number of fans internationally, but 50% of those fans don't have a team uh, that they cheer for and root for. So that's something here at the Bears we, we're focused on. Uh, I think we need to make sure we get some clarity on the role of gambling you know, right. in, the, in the NFL, uh, what does the future stadium look like? We got to keep the fans uh, a priority. We got to take care of the health and safety uh, of our players. Uh, there's so many things that are listed, and uh, and to make sure that we keep building a, a diverse and inclusive 
a pipeline of, of um, individuals to work and to lead. Um, you know, what happens with the future, future owner in the NFL because these teams have become so valuable. Yeah. So I personally think the future is incredibly bright. There are a lot of good minds that work at the league office and in these clubs. And then we need to make sure that we honor our legacy and history, but also be innovative. And so I'm, I'm excited to be able to spend um, the next years, hopefully as long as I can, being here to help. All right. I lied. I got one other thing based on what you talked about with international football. I had never been to an international game until last fall. I yeah. went to Munich, right. and I saw Tampa Bay play Seattle. And, Kevin, the one thing about that game itself is there was more fervor around that game. And I know this is going to sound crazy. There's more fervor around that game than there is for a conference championship game. I mean, people say, oh, there's no way. You had to be there. And the one story I've told everybody is, so I got there a couple days early. And when I got there, I took a long walk and... I'm a little bit of a student of history, and there's a place, there's a public square called Odeonsplatz, okay? And 90 years ago, Adolf Hitler took control of the German state, essentially, with a fiery speech that people, uh, you know, followed, and everybody was there, and they were mobbed, and that's when, uh, you know, the world almost went off its axis, Okay, so I'm there, and I walk, and there's Odeon's plots, and there's all these plaques explaining everything. But here's the crazy thing. They put 32 oversized NFL helmets in that square. You could not move in that square. People there, little kids putting their heads in these helmets and, and getting their picture taken, taking videos. It, it, was, it was such an event, and after the game, Tom Brady said to me, he goes, this is one of the great days I've ever had in football. And so I understand the problems and the logistics and how bad it would be for Munich to host a playoff game against the Los Angeles Chargers. I, I get all that. Kevin, I'm a little bullish on putting a couple teams over there. I, I mean... I think it would be fantastic mm-hmm. for the growth of the game. I, I just, again, as I said, I'm, I'm a big supporter uh, of international growth. Um, having a chance to visit and attend Wimbledon. My wife loves yeah. tennis. My yeah. wife, Greta, loves tennis. But we were able at the Vikings, we played uh, in the international game twice. And I remember walking into Wembley uh, Stadium, and I was trying to see if I could find all 32 NFL clubs and uh it took me about three minutes to be able to see people in jerseys wow and uh and to watch you know that and the evolution of it so i think the nfl has done a great job of growing this game internationally that's an area i want to lean into here and i think just we need to be conscientious of you know how how we grow it internationally like i said media partnerships and making sure we protect the game that we protect our players um the health and safety issues and keep the long-term approach. A lot of decisions we make here, I ask myself, is this the right thing for us to do now? And if someone 100 years from now turns around and look back, will they say, boy, that was a prudent decision. So that's what I'm focused on. Kevin Warren, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. It's always good to see you. Well, my thanks to Todd Archer, Patrick Mahomes, and Kevin Warren for their help in this podcast. I hope it's made you a little bit smarter football fan. Uh, this week on the Peter King podcast. So next week, I'll be out West. I'm going to see a few teams, including San Francisco. Uh, I'm going to go to the Seattle-Dallas game in Seattle. And I'll end my trip next week at the Seahawks, seeing if they can do what maybe only they think they can do and upend the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West. But it's been a great trip so far. Learned a lot, seen a lot. And I look forward to a few insights out West. I also look forward to a San Diego Padres baseball game. So that should be some fun. Thanks a lot for joining me on the Peter King Podcast. Look forward to seeing you next week 
right here on the pod. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.